Welcome to I'm From the Internet, a podcast about something awful, the goons, and their consequences. I am Chicago illustrator Winslow Dumain, and I'm sitting here with internet historian Jay Brandstetter. Jay, how have you been? Uh, I've, it's been very quiet on the internet this week. A new Zelda game came out, so nobody's really posting because everyone's just making dicks in the new Zelda game. And it's, I'm enjoying. I'm getting. I'm very much enjoying getting to see their handiwork. Yeah, it looks. There was some game a while back. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, where the whole idea was that you just built like these siege machines. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and that one was always like it was. Fun and interesting, but like it was all like it's sometimes I wonder about like games that are fun to play and games that are just fun to see other people play. I was um, thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, because there's like uh, Zelda looks like it uh, looks like it should be a bucket of fun. But at the same time, like. When a game requires that much like engineering to make it playable, I don't know if that's necessarily what I'm looking for. Yeah, like, you I'm know. really hoping that there's, like, a like a default option or something where if you're like, I don't want to spend 20 hours making, like, the perfect crab-walking machine from the end of Wild Wild West. I just want to, like, get in a vehicle and do dungeons. Right, yeah, I, like, I'm the kind of guy who, uh, and this is dumb, but, like, I've beaten all of the Dark Souls games without, like, ever learning about how poise works, you know? I just oh, find yeah. the biggest thing wait, the swinging wait, around Wait, you mean if you weigh less, your rolls are faster? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, you know, I play Civ Five, and I don't necessarily, like, learn how, like, that you can put specific art pieces into museums for theming bonuses, and it's just like, I, yeah, maybe, but, or, or I could just, like, build 10 more buildings, you know? So, I don't know. I'm not not very clever. When it comes to card games, I could be somewhat Machiavellian, but uh, when it comes to, like, video games where there's, like, such an intense level of informational min-maxing, I just kind of tune out. Yeah, my ultimate example for me is I had, like, a whole summer where I was a teenager where I played Morrowind, and then later on Mm -hmm. I went on the internet and started reading about it. I was like, wait, people drop all their stuff off in houses? I just carry everything with me all the time. And I I, I didn't even realize the idea of, like, oh, taking over a space and, like, putting all your things in the area. Because that's just not how I thought about it. I was just like, pick pick up things, go do stuff. That's why I love having the internet. I just want to do stuff. I like getting exposed to these. I'm glad other people do it so I can see that they're... It's like Dwarf Fortress. Like, I'm never going to learn how to play that game, but I'm really happy I can read other people's uh, stories about it because it's loads of fun. Yeah. I mean, like, there are... I I guess I I have a certain degree of foresight when I would play stuff like Stalker and things like that because that does require a certain degree of, like, preparing yourself for, like, longer tracks and things and... Uh, well, you know, I also did a lot for, um, like the long dark where like I would, there'd be like a, a certain resource that I would need. I would have like a home base and there'd be a certain resource that I need that was a good trek away. Um, and so I'd have to like bring the absolute essentials and set up like a makeshift camp out there and, um, yeah, I did do like some of the the forward thinking stuff with that, but yeah, I don't know. I I I, I just like I like the I like the big reveal, you know. But I don't have a switch, so 
Yeah, what are we doing? also like we're we're both we're creative people, so it's one of those things where it's like if I want to create something, I can just actually create it. I don't need to do it in the framework of a game or a, a yeah. Toy. Yeah, that's the thing right now is, like, I really want to sit down and play video games more. Like, I never finished Elden Ring. I was, like, I was super into it, and then I went on a comedy tour. And by the time I came back, I'm like, this is all foreign to me. And also, I was dealing with my roommate, like, trying to kick me out of the apartment. (laughs) Uh, And, like, you know, like, I I really, I just downloaded Divinity 2, and I've never played any game in this genre. Divinity is a very weird series. It's very fun. It's like, it's much sillier and funnier than you'd think it would be, but it's also like solid. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll see. But I just like every moment that I spend playing somebody else's game, I'm just thinking like, well, what about the game that I said that I'm making? Am I, am I giving up on that? Am I a failure at that? But yeah, you know what it is. I don't know. I I have made a huge amount of progress progress on it. Yeah. And I will so. say, speaking of games, before we move on, um, uh, since this ties into something awful, uh, Jay Tholen, uh, the creator of uh, Hypnospace Outlaw, Dropsy, the choose-your-own-adventure Dropsy things on something awful, uh, I got a review code of their upcoming first-person shooter, Slayer's X. It's very funny and cool. If you like this podcast, you'd probably vibe with it, because the premise of it is it's a guy, it's a fictional character created this game and designed it 20 years ago when they were in high school and lost the notebook. And then they found the notebook in the modern day and made it. So it's like this pastiche of like late nineties trends in like first person shooters. So it's like, it's like a build engine first person shooter like Duke Nukem, but it has a lot of really good, like dumb guy humor. It's very funny. And it's not like mean or hateful, which is that's, that's the tough thing. Like we all know about the brutal doom guy or about ion fury or whatever. Like we know that sometimes shitty dudes get involved in this stuff. Jay Tholen is Jay Tholen's fantastic. And it's a great game. I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to make a video about it. So, so by the time this comes out, it'll probably be available. All I all I got from that entire thing you just said was that uh, some guy made a a first person shooter out of the movie The Notebook. So <laughs> I'm really fucking here for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that would look like, but I'm here for it. <laughs> That's it. Makes me think of that Bill Bailey joke where he's uh, talking about like hanging out in a bar and playing uh, a pinball machine, but it was a pinball uh, version of a movie, and the movie was Gandhi, and you had to like. <laughs> Light up the threefold path to illuminate it, like the the central way um, of the way of least resistance. <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to do like what what movie needs a pinball machine, and it would be like you know begotten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the eraserhead pinball table. You have yeah. to like unwrap the baby, and then the multi balls yeah. fall out of oh, it. Oh, you are sick. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. Well, Jay, what do you have for me today? All right. Well, uh, today I've got an, a real odyssey. This one was fun to put together because I'm going to be honest. When I was making this, I thought we were going to have another uh, another member of the Something Awful uh, Rogues Gallery to make fun of. But I think this might end up being a redemption story. So I'm excited to go through this with you. And uh, so I guess to open, I'll ask you a question. We're both around the same age. What is your relationship with the movie Jurassic Park? I have never seen it. I've seen pieces of it, I think, at a hotel when I was getting ready to leave uh, at one point in time. Like, it's just on in the morning. And uh, it, I've, I've seen, like, snippets of it, obviously. You know, I could put together the idea of the storyline. 
Um, and I do think that the you know the the practical effects are really impressive. I did see the most recent Jurassic World thing, um, and that was it's just it's so fucking stupid. That's what, I haven't just, seen any of those Jurassic World movies. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Oh yeah, they're just so so devastatingly dumb, and like it just it. I have a, a policy within myself to not give a shit about like what the world does with its big art. Like I, I just can't possibly care. Um, but it, it is kind of a thing where, you know, the more like, I have no problem with people liking fast and the furious. Like, I don't care. It's not for me, but like, please go off, have fun. Um, or like any dumb media, but when there's so much media that is like fully within the wheelhouse of dumb media, it's it's just kind of disheartening as someone who's trying to make something a little more thoughtful, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, so. will, I will say as a, as a critic, like the one lesson I think that has served me better than any other one is don't follow franchises, follow talent. You know, I don't care about Jurassic Park, the intellectual property. I care about Steven Spielberg. He makes good movies. So like with Jurassic okay. World, I'm like, oh, the guy who made Book of Henry is making a Jurassic Park movie. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I also never gave a shit about dinosaurs. Uh, you know, they were put here by Satan to tempt us. Yeah. Um, so this is great. You're going to be a very fun. Uh, I guess you're going to be a very fun counter for a lot of the stuff in this thing because we're dealing with a lot of super fans of of Jurassic Park in this, and also Ghostbusters. Um, I'm going to this. I kind of have a little diversion here at the beginning. Where I'm going to talk a little bit about Ghostbusters fans because the person we're going to talk about is uh, is a Ghostbusters super fan and a big member of the Ghostbusters community. And I, uh, and I, as part of my research, I actually talked to some of them and got like a neat little mini episode of information about Ghostbusters super fans. And it does tie into this a little bit. So uh, we're going to mm. go over that before we break into the main story. So it's a little break from format, but I think this is going to be fun. Uh, just want to give a shout out, uh, Joe Richardelli of the Atlanta Ghostbusters at Tank Hammer on Twitter. Uh, they're, they're friend, they were someone who used to be friends with the, with the person this is about. And they reached out to me. We talked a lot about Ghostbusters and them. They were really informative. I watched a documentary called Ghost Heads that's free on Tubi and Pluto TV, wherever else you get free streaming. Uh, if you like the show, you'd probably recommend, you'd probably enjoy it because it's about uh, ghost heads or what Ghostbusters super fans call themselves. And, um, and I like it because it's not, it's not like a, usually when fandoms make documentaries about themselves, it's very like whitewashed and sanitized and meant to be like, look how cool and fun we are. And Ghost Heads is cool because it's actually a little more real. It's kind of like people being like, yeah, I like the being like, yeah, I got into ghost busting because I was an alcoholic and I started to recover. This is like one of the things that still made me happy. Or like, oh, Ghostbusters was a thing I did with my dad. And when he died, it was like, you know, a part of me connected with him. It's people, the people that can come across as a little depressing, but that makes me like it a lot more because it really is just people kind of reaching out for contact and meeting wherever they can find it. And that's what really compels me. Not just like, you know, people being like, yeah, Ghostbusters rules. Yeah, it, I always uh, super fandom I always thought was kind of interesting when like the breadth of the like canon media is so brief you know like there were Avatar super fans when the only Avatar movie out was Avatar you know like there I they hey they maybe made like fucking comic books or some like shitty PlayStation 3 games or whatever but it, it's like what do you what is the nature of your fandom when you are basing it off of a single thing? Yeah. I, I, but I guess that's always been the thing. Like, you know, 
I'm sure there were Star Wars fans when there was just the one Star Wars. Oh yeah, but the furry community is rife with people like that. Like I had a friend where they were their thing is they were super into this one alien species from the movie Titan AE. Do you even remember Titan <laughs> AE? God, yeah, the Don Bluth movie that was trying to compete with Star Wars. It was in 1999. Another one where they're super into the the. They're into the aliens from District 9, which is very rough because, like, the only name I know them by is Prawns, and that's, like, a slur for them in the movie, so it's very rough to talk about them. They're like, no, they're the Poliqua, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I just know them as this thing. <laughs> I didn't mean to say, I didn't mean to use hate speech against these aliens. I'm just going off of the, the biased media that has been presented to me. Right. I, I, the other half of, like, the super fandom stuff is that is very funny is when the fandom is, like, very clearly, like, Top loaded into the original media because, yeah. like, as a Silent Hill, I, I suppose you could call me a super fan because of you know the mayor stuff. Um, it's just very funny how there are like a small handful of fans that are like, No, I just like everything in the franchise, I think they're all great, and it's like. Really? Yeah, people that are you into like it. Silent Hill Downpour. <laughs> you liked the comic books. You liked the movie. The core and song. the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Jesus God, dude. Yeah, like, people that are like they're like wiki fans of stuff like that, where it's just I just like all the lore and all the info. The actual quality of the material is irrelevant to me. That is because that's completely opposite of how I engage with stuff. I love it. Yeah, there there I mean, we should we should get onto the story, but there is a absolutely uh and if thin but very discernible line between people who are fans of things and people who just like to consume product. And, you know, like there, I, I have a friend of mine who loves Squishmallows and if, yeah, if she sees one that's really right up her alley, um, she'll buy it. And she has a small collection of them. And then there's people who just go to the Squishmallow website or like they, they like the attention that's being given to other people who post about their squishmallows. Yeah, and so they go to the squishmallow website, and for whatever reason, they have a shitload of money, uh, and they just buy every single one that they can find, and then they like install themselves as the squishmallow super fan. And it's they do that with a million other things where it's just like. Oh, you like Funko Pops that are just your favorite things? Well, I have every single one, and it's like cool but do you like that or do you just like having things yeah it's yeah exactly it's it's you, i can't add anything to that you, you nailed it for me That's, i totally yeah. agree that is very fascinating and for me that is one of the things that i think is ghostbusters is kind of interesting because a lot of the fandom is based on like it's not them like recreating the people from the movies it's you become a ghostbuster yourself you make your own flight suit you get a patch with your name on it or like your alias or whatever you build your own cars and each every us state has a designated ghostbusters franchise where <laughs> where they all work together kind of like if you're familiar with the stormtroopers there's the 501st legion it works similar to that where they like go to hospital go to children's hospitals to cheer up sick kids they walk in parades like if people if you want to show up at like an event or a wedding they'll go there for a charitable donation and I actually looked up our local Ghostbusters chapters, so I'm going to share those with you. So here is my local chapter, uh, the North Florida Ghostbusters, proudly serving the Gainesville and Jacksonville areas. And the logo is very cute. It's the classic Ghostbusters logo with the cross over the ghost, except the Florida, state of Florida. And then there's yours, uh, the Windy City Ghostbusters. Your busted okay, troop outside fair. the loop for 20 years. <laughs> it's very cute. And yeah, just in general, like, 
I also like the Ghostbusters fans because there is a lot of breadth to it. It's very decentralized. There are people, like, some people are, like, really into making one-to-one movie prop replicas. Some people just buy stuff like you were talking about. Other people just get really weird and make their own kind of, like, fun characters or, like, their own takes on it. Uh, Also, a big part of Ghostbusters is vehicle culture because this is what this episode is about. It's about vehicles. Uh, And Ghostbusters, of course, the Ecto-1 is an iconic movie vehicle. So there are tons of Ecto-1s that people build for fun out of all sorts of different vehicles. And my take on this is most Ghostbusters fans tend to be uh, Gen Xers, for whom Ghostbusters was a huge part of their childhood, and so they have a strong personal nostalgic uh, connection to that world and its aesthetics. Uh, Especially kids that were nerdy or awkward, because if you look at, like, 80s properties, that's, like, the time of, like, the He-Man, Manly Man action heroes. So you have Ghostbusters, which is, like, a bunch of schlubby, middle-aged, blue-collar guys fighting ghosts in, like, jumpsuits, who are explicitly nerds and scientists. That's very appealing to a certain type of kid, and that's... And also the fact that they're kind of out-of-shape nerds that weren't really, like, typical action heroes. And especially on Something Awful, that's exactly what the audience is. So there's a ton of Ghostbusters superfans in the Something Awful history. And it's, it's, yeah. I just think that's just so interesting because I, 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 I don't have really much of an idea of what it would be like to see a movie and be like, all right, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assign this to myself for the next 50 years. Yeah. And I think a part of it too with Ghostbusters is there was so much merchandising. So for a lot of these, these were okay, kids yeah. for years, they were watching the real Ghostbusters cartoon on TV. That was wearing for years. Like Ghostbusters 2 came out like half a decade later and was explicitly aimed at kids because the movie had become so popular with kids. Like that's the funny thing too about Ghostbusters is it was like, it was like an R rated movie or something. Like, it, was, it wasn't intended mm-hmm. for kids, but it just became like super popular with kids. And then the second one, from then on became like sort of a kids franchise in the nineties. We had one. And then you might remember in 2016, there was the new ghostbusters movie with the all female cast that made the internet basically just unreadable for about a year. Oh uh, yeah. That so, was just insane so because it, it was, yeah. yeah. I just remember seeing like half of it was, uh, you know, dudes screaming about, uh, how this is like, you know, this is white genocide or whatever the fuck they were saying. And then there was just like, a lot of people that were reviewing it that were just like through gritted teeth being like, it's actually quite funny. And then you see clips of it and it was just like catastrophically unfunny and it had nothing to do with it being a female reboot or whatever. It was just like not a good movie, but you have to like it. (laughs) You know, you have to like it or you're an incel. And it's like, Oh man, what if it's just, what if this is just pandering? You have to like the pandering. No, the worst one was I remember somebody got a tattoo of one of the Ghostbusters before it came out. And I was like, oh, man, you no one's going to remember this movie a year from now. What are you doing before yeah. it even came out? But uh, but anyways, let's put a pin in that because we're going to have plenty of opportunities to talk about that at the end of this episode. What we're talking about today, this episode, I'm titled it a Jurassic Jeep with Dino Damage because we're talking about something awful poster Boomer Jinx. Uh, his big thing is that he is a big movie car person, and he owns several cars that he's modified to look like movie vehicles. Um, his first one, I have the picture pulled up here, is a Dodge Magnum that was decorated to look like the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. His, his uh, origin for all this is that, is that he was a Ghostbusters fan from the beginning, so that's kind of why I dug it is. And yeah, judging by your reaction, what do you think about his, uh, his Ecto-1? The Dodge Magnum, I, I don't think... Okay, this is complicated. When I see a guy in a big-ass souped-up truck, I don't think that that guy has a small dick, right? That's, like, the, the number one thing that people say is, like, oh, big truck, small dick, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I just think that that guy ha- is like he's he wanted to purchase something that looks like the unkempt rage that is in his heart, like a huge ass imposing truck because that guy's spoiling for a fight. He's looking to fuck with somebody who says like anything about his truck. He's going to like lose his fucking mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like the PT cruiser is just like a guy who's trying to look cool, but like, you know, very much failing, but the Dodge Magnum has always for sure just looked like, like you were just trying to sell a new penis to an old man (laughs) because it is such a strangely long phallic vehicle that is, yeah, it it is. And it's called the Magnum. Like, it's called the Magnum, right? Um, it, but like when you just look at it, it's a Dodge, so it's it's basically a piece of shit. And yeah, it, <laughs> it there's just so many problems with this because it just looks so cheaply made and so unimaginative and uninspiring. But it's long, you know. It's yeah. like it's like the whole conceit of Subway selling you a twelve inch sandwich. They all their advertising was that it was big, and not a word of the advertising was whether or not it was good. Yeah, and I'm going to say up front, I have no problem criticizing and making fun of Boomer Jinx's vehicles, because reading their post on gbfans.com, that's right, I registered an account on the Ghostbusters fan forums to read about this for research. I do a lot of work on this show. Um, He's very critical of other people's vehicle designs, so I don't mind being critical of his in return, because he he dishes his out a lot, or dish, I should say. Don't, like, put a pin in that. But, um, so yeah, so... I get what he's going for with this because for those of you who aren't familiar with the movie, the Ecto one is a hearse that they turn into like a, a vehicle for busting ghosts. Right. So we just a, picked a long, long they car. Like, this is a long vehicle. We can kind of do that, but yeah, it doesn't really look like the Ecto. It, it, it has like a bunch of like, they put a bunch of like greebles on top. Like they have like, you know, the, the, the police lights, right. and, like a satellite dish, like literally like someone's television satellite dish. It looks like, like a direct. Yeah. Movie. It's just a bunch of like stuff. And you know, like they put like, it, the caution it, tape and the sticker and it's it's uh what is it fuck um Robert Liefeld where he like <laughs> all of his superheroes are just covered in pouches yes you know? the pouches that's very good yeah the word greeble I've I've not talked about it I've learned that from special effects people greebles are what they call when they just like put texture over a model where it's like if you're like really close up to a spaceship and you see all those bumps and lines and stuff those are just greebles so like. If you just put, if you want to make something look techy, they're like, yeah, just put a bunch of extra greebles on it. Yeah, just put chunks on it. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I kind of do the, the the same thing in the reverse for my own drawings, um, where I just like I, I draw the anatomical figure and then I like go in and I draw it over, but with like an intentionally like shaky hand, or I'll hold the pen weird so that it's all like crooked and mangled and like uh, pocketed and stuff like that. You should that. get one of those pens out as a kid that had, like a spitting weight on top. So when you're drawing, it's just like, Ooh. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll just get like, I'll just have a bunch of mice. <laughs> I'll, I'll fill a box with mice and then put the paper on the bottom. And then I'll just have to draw while the mice are fucking with my hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just like dip the mice in paint, and let them run around and do that for you. That's, that's a thing. I, some rat people do is they have their rats paint, which is very cute. Just, like, yes, walk all over paper. Fan. Yeah. Anyways, so that's that's the uh, that before we, the other thing is both of us have worked in logistics. We've both worked with vehicles, so that's going to add a very fun dimension to this. For people who are listening who know the story, you're gonna get you get to look forward to that. All right. So next, uh, his next vehicle they did was a Jeep Wrangler that he decorated to look like the staff vehicles in Jurassic Park, and. 
This one is, this is pretty accurate to the movie. I, I'm doing some research. The ones in the movie were like a 91 Jeep Wrangler, and he got like a 93 Jeep Wrangler, and then changed the panels. Like I said, I'm not a super big car person, but it, it looks like the staff vehicles from the, from sure, the movie. Sure, yeah. I bet, yeah. I, I also, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, right away, you can see the cracks in, in what this story is going to be about. Because now we're talking about somebody who has two vehicles that he can customize to his fandom. Yeah, that, that too. Vehicle vehicle fans are always a special place because you have to have so, so much disposable income to, to be a vehicle person. That's why I'm not really into... As some, even though I've worked in automotives for, for years, it's just not part of the... Plus, Jacksonville's car culture is really shitty. It's just a lot of, like, people doing, like, late-night street races that kill people. Nothing, like, fun. Or, I think I saw somebody driving, like, Kit from Knight Rider once. That was kind of cool. Yeah, so, yeah I, my, the only vehicle culture that I have for my fandom is just driving and crashing a red Jeep. <laughs> That one's for all the Silent Hill heads out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, although I will say, um, my, my last car, I had it sticker bombed all over the hood and trunk. It was I was very proud of it. Like people would take pictures. It's very tacky looking, but it was very fun. And because I, and I put like a bunch of panda stickers in it, so it was kind of neat. Even now, I have like a cricket, so I have a lot of customized like stickers on the back of mine. Like I have an O four five one since I'm a big fan of like Deus Ex. I have the owl symbol from Twin Peaks. I have a sea space cowboy from Cowboy Bebop. And I have the Florida fur symbol, which is like the state of Florida with a little paw print on it. So just repping all my different tribes. Florida fur, not Florida first. I was like, isn't that what the clan says? <laughs> America first? Oh, uh, yeah, no. Florida fur is F-U-R-S. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A very unfortunate double booking that ever happened. So baby, don't make a move because I'm coming for you. So like most car enthusiasts, Boomer Jinx is really proud of his creations and he posts about them a lot. And he was known on the forums as the Ghostbusters car guy because he had a thread on something awful that was goldmine about him creating and customizing the Ghostbusters car. I'm not going to open it up, but if you want to see his whole thing about him doing it in his garage, it's there. And you can see like people were into it. It's a fun thing. It's sort of classic old school something awful. Just I'm doing a neat project. Here it is and everyone can see it. So... Starting, this starts on November 14th, 2011, at 11.54 in the morning, Boober Jinks makes a thread in EN, which you might remember, Everything Nothing, the personal uh-huh. relationships forum, titled, I let Telltale borrow my Jurassic Park Jeep, and all I got was this lousy dino damage. So, before I start reading, do you know who Telltale are? Yeah, yeah, they made all the games, uh, like the, the kind of point-and-click kind of, you know, yeah. story games. They made the, the Walking Dead stuff that was great, and then everything else they've ever made has been pretty bad. Yeah, for those of you who, who aren't gamers, basically in the 90s and 80s, there was this type of video game called an adventure game that was really popular, where it was like, you know, you point-and-click, you move people around a map. They, were, they had stories and jokes and stuff back when games didn't really have those. They were pretty unique. Then that style of game kind of became unpopular, and it went away. Then in the mid-2000s, this company called Telltale bought the rights to some of the old adventure games like Sam and Max and started making new sequels to them in 3D, and they released them as episodic games. And they did okay, and then they, finally, then they released one based on The Walking Dead, and it blew up because it was a pretty mature story for gaming at the time. It was based on a popular franchise. It was just the right place at the right time, and it was a good game. It exploded, yeah. and so they started... But before that... They made a couple other licensed games that didn't do super well. They did a Back to the Future one that was okay, and they did a Jurassic Park game. 
Wasn't a very good game, I'll say that, but this is where we are now. So they, are, they have a Jurassic Park adventure game coming up, and so that is where we are now, where, where this thread is starting. And keep in mind, they are, they are not a tiny game, in, but they were not a tiny company, but at this point, they were not huge either. They had, like, about 100 employees, I want to say, and they were putting out, like, one or two, like, mid-budget games. They weren't, like, super huge, but they, this wasn't, like, someone working out of their garage. This was a business. So th- this was before Walking Dead? This is before The Walking Dead, yeah. Walking okay. Dead, I want to say, was, like, yeah, 2012, and this is 2011. So right before they got really big. Okay. So we're starting there, and Poster Boomer Jinx uh, starts his thread. And please note for the listener uh, that Boomer Jinx's uh, avatar is that, I don't know the proper term, so forgive me, but the, uh, the very mentally unusual fellow that has the YouTube thing where he just uh, screams at the camera about the uh, the weather forecast. <laughs> and apparently he's, like, surprisingly accurate. But it's a picture of him uh, with, like, a cartoonishly open mouth, and he's uh, got these surprise lines coming out of his head, and he's also blushing. So he's, like, taken this profoundly mentally unusual person and uh and true <laughs> made, made anime stuff like, over him yeah to an, an anime uh anime girl face <laughs> which is <laughs> extremely weird it's like uh taking brian peppers what was his name brian peppers was yes. that the old fort yeah making brian peppers into uh oh, no, there's a bonus episode <laughs> oh jesus christ what a sad yeah. story yeah, the whole thing is just the sad story, you know. <laughs> the internet, it's a sad story. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so that's yeah, just put that in this so Boomer Jinx opens. So I've got this JP Jeep, right? And they post a picture of the Jurassic Park Jeep with the huge photo bucket watermark over it. Of course. That's yeah, that's 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 if this if this if this website had a had a tombstone, that's what it would be. It would just be the photo bucket watermark over it. Earlier this summer, I was contacted by a representative from Telltale Games. They informed me that they were developing a Jurassic Park adventure title for multiple platforms and were looking for a Jurassic Park Jeep that they could use in a promotional booth for a Seattle gaming convention called PAX in August. Last year, they had produced a Back to the Future game and used the DeLorean that belongs to an acquaintance of mine. As I was unsure how to respond, I contacted my DeLorean owner friend and asked him what kind of deal they approached him with. He said he asked Telltale for insured enclosed transport both ways for his car, airfare, hotel, con passes, and a daily per diem. He also received several grand from them for the use of their car alone. So I was all like, that sounds terrific. If you provide enclosed insured shipping both ways, airfare, badges for the con, hotel, and a per diem, you've got yourself a deal. They were pretty appreciative of me providing the Jeep to them for free, so they booked transport for my Jeep and we were on our way. So that's how we're starting. So he is kind of doing a favor for this company. Like they pay, they yeah. they paid someone, and he's like, "I'll let you do it for free. I just want to get to go out and see my Jeep being admired by people." So kind of that's kind of that's kind of doing a solid, even if it is also kind of like an ego stroking thing. Because I'm like, I don't think I would do that for free. I'd probably be like, yeah, I want a little money, but yeah, then again, I mean, you're renting my car. But then again, you know, he has multiple car money, so I'm sure he's not hurting either. Like like I am. So. Right. 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 The morning of the pickup, I walked all the way around my Jeep and took quite a few pictures of the condition I gave it to the men, like these. And here are his inspection photos. Like, as someone who, who has worked for Carvana and has done a lot of vehicle inspections, also I worked for, uh, I worked for an insurance agency, so I've done 
uh, Duval County is one of the few ones in Florida that requires vehicle inspection. So I've done vehicle inspection. So I get to do a little uh, professional uh, talking on some of these. Uh, continuing. Then I was off to meet the enclosed transport, except the transport showed up and was not enclosed. I could have been a dick and said no dice, friends, and not given them the Jeep, but unfortunately, I'm not a dick. So for closed versus unclosed transportation, I'm assuming the listeners, if you're an American, you've been on the highway and you've seen those car haulers that have like eight or 12 cars on them going on the highway, right? Yeah, truck, truck. Yeah, yeah. So that's like an open air one. A closed one would be like, uh, would be like you know, a typical, like a covered one. It's safer because it's not exposed to the environment. So like you don't have to worry about dust or rocks or the wind or anything. But it's more expensive because it's harder to load them up and get them in there. Whereas the open air one, since it's open, it's a lot easier to climb around and get things. So it's just, it's just more expensive to do that. So, continuing, the Jeep goes on its way, and I fly out a week later. The Jeep was delivered that morning and signed for by one of Telltale's employees, a self-professed, quote, person who doesn't know anything about cars and, in fact, does not even own a car. Here's what I saw during my walk around. And he starts posting pictures showing damage to the vehicle. So Yeah, the seat has, the seam on the uh, upholstery on the seat has uh, been split pretty wide open. Yeah, it's about half the length of it around the center yeah. seam has been split. So it's on the seam. So you'd have to, at the very least, like, re-sew it. At least, like, the, then we have the next one here. It's, like, the, the, the platform you step up up to get on. There's, like, some paint scratches on it where it's been right. worn away. We see the fender has a lot of paint chips all over it, like where it was repeatedly dinged with something. Right. Uh, kind of like if you took like a pencil and just like mashed it against the t- paper a bunch of times and got all those little dots, it looks like that. We have the bumper has some scrapes, and we see a lot more repeat damage on the panel alongside one of the doors here. So there's a lot of these repeated scrapes and scratches on there. You know what that makes me think? What? Is that, um, that there was some sort of buckle that was attached to the either the the transport or to the truck itself that was just flapping against it as they drove uh because there's a bunch of scratches on top of my car because when i first bought it the uh rubber gasket that keeps my windshield on got unhooked and then it just was slapping the top of my car from the entire drive from ohio to chicago so very good. Yeah, very observant. I was going to ask you what you thought those were caused by, because we're going to go over the causes later. But that is very much what it looks like. It's anyone who's right. experienced that will be familiar with that type of damage. Continuing after the walk around and before the convention, I talked to the guys at Telltale, among them, Kevin Bruner, the company's CEO. I tell them, look, I could be that guy and throw a fit threatening to take my Jeep out of here tonight unless you cut me a check right now. But I know this is a huge fucking weekend for you guys. And I'll add, he censors himself in this. It's a huge star, 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 star ing weekend. I'm just pointing that out because like self-censorship is, especially on a place like something awful, is always very funny to me. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, that, that's always very silly. So we could put this on a back burner until the expo is over. But I'd like your word that you'll take care of this immediately afterwards. They were pretty appreciative, and even though I received no per diem or additional badges, I decided not to be a dick about things. So this is the second time in a row he's decided not to escalate when he felt like he was being wrong. First when they sent the wrong transport, and now when he went with this. So just, just kind of reinforcing that. Yes. Okay. Then the Jeep came home, I didn't hear, and I didn't hear from Telltale. A week later, I reached out to them, and it was more than a few days before they got back to me, telling me that I'd have to file a claim with the, with the auto transport company. Uh, Advanced Car Carrier Corp. I told them that I did not arrange for the transportation and that I should not have to be the middleman. They insisted that they are not responsible for the damage in any way and that only the car owner can file a claim. 
So I send all my claim information, scanned receipts and delivery invoices, before and after photos, to the car carrier, and they reply with... Since you've read uh, shipping stuff in the past, I figure you could be the voice for this. We've completed our assessment of the above loss and determined that it is not car carrier damage. After carefully reviewing the damage pictures that you have sent to us, we have found that all the damage was noted on the bill of lading before transporting your vehicle. Also, please note that vehicle was inspected in rain and possible that not all damages were visible. For that reason, the box where it says the vehicle is, vehicle is going as is was marked. Enclosed with this letter is a copy of the bill of lading signed by XXX on August 30th, 2011, in where was noted that vehicle had its pre-existing damages before transporting from Washington to Colorado. Yeah, that was a fucking gauntlet. There were so many twists in that goddamn sentence. <laughs> yeah, this is not very well written. Yeah, and for those of you who've never worked in logistics, the bill of lading is basically how they keep track of like the custody of it. It's like when you deliver something, a person signs for it, and when they sign for it, it's their responsibility to look at it and be like, if anything is wrong or missing. That's where they note it. So, like, if you pick it up and the person says that everything's fine and you drop it off and a person says there's been damage to this, then you're responsible for it because the damage happened in transport. It's just a very simple way of keeping right. it. But also, yeah. it also puts the onus on the person signing to do the inspections for it. Cause, and a lot of times, like, like, like they mentioned there, if it's raining or if it's busy, people will just want to brush it off. So it's very, I'm, getting, I'm getting PTSD flashbacks from all this. Now, the damage was done on the way to Seattle, not from... And here's a photo of it raining while they loaded up my Jeep. Boy, it sure is hard to see stuff with all that rain. And he posts a picture of them loading it, and it's a sunny day, and this is actually where we get a picture of the vehicle loaded. You can see his Jeep right there on the very back of it with a cover on it and everything. So Telltale hired the sketchiest possible carrier company, and then one of Telltale's employees, who admitted she doesn't know the first thing about cars, signed the bill of lading upon delivery without inspecting the Jeep for damage, thereby releasing the car carrier from responsibility. I'm disputing their decision, but I have the sinking feeling that I am going to be one of those cases that's ignored until I go away. Bullshit, man. I guess my lesson is, in bold, next time get stuff in writing and be a big dick about everything. So that's the case as it's presented to us. So what's your takeaway with this so far? I, uh, as with all of these things, uh, I am waiting for the other shoe to drop (laughs) and for it to be revealed that... uh, that I was completely misled the entire time, and that actually uh, the person that has multiple car money is the dickhead in the entire story. First reply. The first reply is from Dick Parasite whose avatar is a cartoon mosquito with a word bubble that says, I prefer to go by Richard. So it is a dick parasite. We're having fun. Their response is, hit them where it hurts, their bottom line. Post this thread over at Reddit under our gaming and anywhere else you can think of where their prospective customers might congregate. Let others know how they treat people. Repost it when the game comes out. I'm Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, boy, howdy, have I been fucked over by companies, but... Uh, Go nuts. I don't know. I mean, if, if they're fucking over a little guy, then then go for it. Yeah, that's the very comparatively first, little guy. You yeah, know? the very first reply. And, you know, this is something awful. So we've already gotten a taste of what happens when goons get it, get it hankered for goon justice. So exactly. we get that. And then Boomer Jinx replies posted and he puts a link to Reddit where he posted. a He basically copy and posted his OP there. And thinks right, that. right, right. 
Epic Heady Bro, uh, who has been banned, said, This topic doesn't really prove anything, and making a big stink about it on Reddit R Gaming just makes you seem like you're a bitter nerd who didn't have any control over the situation. Don't let other people take advantage of you. You probably should have confronted them more directly and dealt with the insurance company in a more effective manner. Which, uh, you know, I'm inclined to dunk on people who post their drama on Reddit, but... This is a weirdly dickish response because, like, no, he did a uh, he did a kindness for Telltale, and Telltale pretty clearly fucked him over. Um, and also, like, being non confrontational actually does make life it can make life more difficult for sure. But uh, not being an explosive dickhead about things. Um, will make your life better than being someone who is super aggro and um, confronting the insurance company. Yeah, you would have to like you have to be pretty sharp about them uh, because you have to really, really corner them because they're only going to give you a few responses, and so you have to be very comprehensive when you're talking to them. You have to you have to imagine the things that they are going to say and then like be ready to to shut them down before they get to it. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that response is a little dickish, but yeah. Yeah, and I'll let you know, at the end, I put together a comprehensive timeline of everything that happened we're going to go over. So this is going to be split up into multiple parts. It's a long one, so that way, don't worry. You'll still know everything happens at the end when we go through this. And also, that will be our chance to really kind of relitigate everything from beginning to end. So just Perfect. Kidding. So yeah, so... So, you know, so they asked, someone asked Boomer Jinx if he has insurance, and he says, comprehensible with a pretty big deductible, frowny face. Which, again, rich enough to have multiple movie cars, but not rich enough to, to pay for insurance on them. Like, yeah, the, um, I, I've, I have had, uh, I had somebody driving the wrong way down a one-way street and smash into my car, and I called my insurance company the next day and I was like, okay, well, I have comprehensive insurance. And they were like, oh, comprehensive insurance actually doesn't mean anything. Uh, you have to have super special comprehensive insurance before we actually pay anything. And so from that day forward, I've had like the extra fancy car insurance because I drive all over the country. But yeah, I, comprehensive is, is, is such a insanely misleading fucking term. Yeah, comp and collision, all that stuff. Like, there's a reason why there are people whose whole jobs are, like, mine used to be, is just, like, setting, making changes and setting up people's policies. It is super complicated. Yeah, there's, like, like, we're talking about homeowners insurance. A, B, C, D, E, umbrella. You know, all that. Right. Uh, again, just PTSD from, from getting yelled at by wealthy baby boomer homeowners about how them voting to reduce government subsidies made their flood insurance go up because it's not being paid by the government anymore. Right, uh, right, right. Anyways, so, but yeah, especially for Boomer Jinx, though, I will say, as someone who obviously takes so much personal pride in their movie vehicles, like, yeah, I feel like that's, if you have the money, that's especially one where, just for the piece of, for something like means this must to you. The estimate from Progressive came back a little under $2,000, but I am having that adjusted as it doesn't appear that they have included the time and labor to remove the fender flares for painting. Paint is incredibly expensive. The entire damage panel has to be taken down and color matched. There is no spot fix. Going back to that picture earlier, one of the goons asked how that even happens. It looks like someone was right. stabbing it. And there's a reply where, uh, I want you to read this, because they, they kind of sussed out what you were guessing earlier. Yeah, because it looks like, yeah, it just looks like it was, because it's all within one part of the, like, it's all within, like, it, it's like a scatter plot, what yeah. it is. So, that, yeah, it, it, it looks like it was just kind of like, because I can't imagine that happening all at once. Because if it were like a like a handful of 
of, you know, caltrips or thumbtacks thrown at the Some, car. Some, like, Yogi is driving position. down the road and his bed of nails yeah. flies off the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just some, like, uh, ver- like a, a Nerf shotgun, you know, just had a very tight pallet. A tragic accident. Um, a tanker a truck with, like, 10,000 he- hedgehogs tipped over. Yes. <laughs> a single porcupine was <laughs> launched off the back of a truck and it just, <laughs> bonk, and then it just... But then the, the porcupine... Porcupine could survive a lot, you know. I imagine that the the the, the quills are kind of like an ablative, ablative or ablative. I don't know, ablative plating. So that the porcupine is fine. So the porcupine's just gonna go live its life. Honestly, the best thing that could have happened to the porcupine, unless it was on a truck because it was sick and it was going to the porcupine hospital. No, in the which porcupine case, was driving. Bad. You know, he'd been driving for like eighteen porcupine hours. Porcupine was straight. driving. Then it's just an yeah. empty truck. Yeah. I feel like that would have made it to the bill of lading, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, the car cover rubbing caused this, and most likely a majority of other damage. They aren't made to go 88 miles per hour. Either that or rocks chipping uh, the lousy rattle can factory paint, uh, which is an assumed risk with open carriers. Yeah. And that's for from uh, user MATLAB1988, which is the only acceptable 88 that you can have in your handle. Um, yeah, someone who was born in 1988. I, I, we're not the hard one. Yes. Way. Yeah, for sure. There, you know, I had a joke a million years ago about uh, some dudes that were uh, born in 1488 are always just like, I swear to God, I don't know who Hitler is. It has nothing to do with Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I will say what what they get that is absolutely what caused that was the damage was caused by the uh, the cover on the Jeep. Uh-huh. So I'm going to scroll back sense. up and show it. You can see on the picture here. We're going to have a zoomed in one later. But you can see because this is a Jeep and Jeeps don't have uh, a hard cover on them. When it was being transported, he had to put like a cloth cover on it to keep it from um, just to keep stuff from getting on the inside of the vehicle. And we're going to get a more detailed look at that later. Yeah, this 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 seems like. Um when you when you're traveling like this you just have to like take every little problem and then multiply it by 10,000 and yeah. just see like okay are you actually ready for the road you know because like the little thing i mean even if when it comes to like personal comfort like i was driving across the country multiple times with no air conditioning and it's just like oh, oh this doesn't go away like you don't get used to it you don't go in you're like ah oh, this sucks and then you're fine it's like no this sucks for like 25 consecutive hours <laughs> you know like, yeah yeah because with car covers the thing is there are two there are different types of car covers most car covers that you buy if you go around like an auto parts store are ones for stationary vehicles like if you're parking your right, vehicle exactly and then, but once they're being transported they're special ones that you buy because yeah you don't want a strap to come loose and knock all these holes in your paint or whatever so and so following up that's probably why he requested telltale use a closed car carrier for delivery they were the ones to arrange the subpar transportation not him and so this, and we have another post from Boomer Jinx here. Uh, Unfortunately, I really don't like being a dick. I enjoy helping people. I'm far from altruistic, but in my mind, I thought I had a pretty good beat on how honest and passionate the employees I talked to were about the Jeep. The attitude they put forth was one of incredible care and protection for the car. My mistake is thinking that someone will do the right thing, even if they aren't contractually obligated to do so. I don't have much faith in humanity, but I spent a lot of time talking to these guys about planning for PACs, and they seem to me to be very much unlike most sneaky, devious people. I was way wrong. I got stuck with the bill. Now I'm trying to be solution-oriented. Chill out. You know, I know absolutely nothing problematic was said, but I do think it's whenever I hear somebody talking about sneaky, devious people, I'm like, (laughs) say it. 
What do you What do you really want yeah, to say? Three parentheses, sneaky devious people. <laughs> yeah, D- describe to me their phenotype. <laughs> uh, yeah, what surname might these sneaky devious people have? And uh, also, so to give it, give us an update here. So he makes the front page of Reddit from that post. Uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise and me. And not just Reddit. I did a little safari here. NeoGAF has a thread uh, about the Telltale thing. A uh, thing called the International House of Mojo. Telltale's forums themselves, someone made a thread there talking about the damage done to the Jeep to complain about it. At, at, that is really, so that's really, uh, and Gadget did one. Uh, Jurassic Park, the game promo Jeep deal, causes dino-sized kerfuffle on Reddit. So this is, this is something that got picked up by games journalism and tech journalism. And uh, this poster here, Epic Heady Bro, he's, he's going to show up a couple times. I want you to read him because his posters are next level. Epic Heady Bro, you guys are pretty much going to end up giving Telltale some free advertising. User was banned for this post. He's going to show up later. That was kind of like a retroactive ban because that's one of those things where whenever you talk about anything negative, someone's always like, oh, this is a false flag. The company's doing this on purpose. This is just viral marketing. So this could actually yeah. be good for Bitcoin. <laughs> this could, um, exactly. The end of all multicellular life in the entire solar system could actually be good for Bitcoin. Donald Trump has never um, been more isolated. Oh, yeah. Every goddamn time. What, what It's just, we need to do way and stain, mother. No, uh, we need to do, uh, <laughs> we need to figure out what it is in people that causes them to just go, I am against whatever is happening. I am against the current thing. And, like, there's a non-zero chance that Epic Heady Bro is right that I mean, I don't think that they're this is going to get them free advertising. I think that there genuinely is bad news that can damage your brand, right? If 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 I only know about your brand because of how shitty it is, then I'm not gonna. I know about your brand, but I'm not gonna buy your products, right? Yeah. And spoiler alert: um, Telltale went bankrupt years ago. So, um, oh, did they? Yeah, they went bankrupt several years ago. The the, Lo- the Walking Dead season three actually like wasn't finished when they went bankrupt. It had to be like put together later. So. Yeah, they don't exist anymore. So that's another, that's another fun thing about this is we can bash on Telltale all we want without worrying because Telltale does not exist anymore. I thought, didn't they just put out Borderlands someone, Telltale? No, that was something that was something that I think someone like bought the name Telltale, like the, the rights to it, and like it's like a zombie company, but none of the people or anything involved are still on it. It's not nearly the big thing. I think the Tales of the Borderlands sequel was by um was by the people who make the Borderlands games themselves because it wasn't very good from what I heard. Which sucks. Cause oh, the, the, well, it's, it's Gearbox, so it's yeah, going to suck. Yeah, because the first... It, it, it's, it's a... If you buy a Gearbox game, it will find a way to sexually assault you. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, I, those... those say, well, we're talking about a Telltale, A whole company yeah. full of just goddamn scoundrels. Yeah, well, we're talking about Telltale. And victims, unfortunately. I do not but, like Borderlands at all, but the Tales from the Borderlands adventure game is genuinely very funny and cool, and, like, I enjoyed it a lot, and it's it's entirely self-contained, like... Apparently the characters show up with their stuff, but I enjoy it. So if you want like that classic cinematic adventure game in like a fun sci-fi setting with cool characters, yeah, Tales from the Borderlands, it's fun. Check it out. Like two times in my life, um, once with Borderlands 2 and then again with Dawn of War 3, where I was like fucking stoked for a game to release. <laughs> I played so much Borderlands 1 and the DLC I could have learned languages, man. I could have done so much other shit, but instead <laughs> I just replayed those fucking games. And 
then uh, then it comes out and I played it for like an hour and I was like, yeah, this shit sucks. This is like so overwhelming. I'm so done. This isn't fun. Um, and a same fucking thing with Dawn of War three, which was an absolute fucking disaster. Oh God, what was it? Fallout four. I just despised and I installed that, oh, yeah. played it for two hours and then uninstalled it and never touched I it. I played again. like an hour on a free weekend just to see what it was like. And I was like, yeah, I get this isn't for me. Yeah. It's just like so much stuff. I think I got, right to, yeah, I got to the part where there was like an old lady being like, oh, I foresee a great future for you, child, but it's also so terrible. And I'm like, this writing is horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Video game writing is like some of the most egregious on the planet. So. So, so far, this seems like a pretty straightforward case of a little guy standing up to a big company, right? Uh, so, dun, dun, dun! Uh, quoted right. on something awful from Reddit, this is a post that someone from Telltale made. So, I'm going to read this because it's a longer one. Uh, Posting from a throwaway, of course, and I'm probably going to get downvoted to fuck, but pretty much everyone at Telltale is pissed off and really wanting to tell their side of the story, but not allowed to officially comment right now, given that this entire thing is quite literally out of the blue. I'm told we've been in contact with OP on a fairly regular basis, trying to work something out. I'm really, really tempted to say something about it, but I'm probably leading enough outside the window as it is. Suffice to say, there is another side of the story here, and Reddit makes it really easy for people to make allegations without any actual proof or backstory. Also, people are sending some very personal insults to people who have literally never heard of this before today. Please try and keep in mind that some of us are just, you know, guys who work at a company, and not wearing black top hats, twiddling mustaches. I realize pitchforks and torches at the drop of a penny, but seriously, guys. So, so I saw something earlier today. Uh, that matches exactly what you're saying. Uh, and it's the most Reddit possible response. And it's also just like indicative of an entire genre of people, really mostly dudes. I try to be inclusive with my language because I think that being toxic on the internet is absolutely not just a, a guy's game. It's, it's everyone. Um, see any time a trans woman posts her own like personal happiness and you just read the comments of women losing their mind. Um, <laughs> But uh, this is a great post on our gaming news. The headline, EA says even more FPS studios are facing, quote, increased harassment. Top comment from Diabolus777. I don't condone harassment. But, (laughs) but (laughs) studios under EA and ATVI have been releasing subpar qualities for years now. They lie about how they are open to criticism. They have hostile business practices with microtransactions, ruining product lines, super bad support, and many other problems. Shutting down a subreddit because of backlash is crazy to me. Reddit is supposed to be neutral grounds where players can express themselves. If mods stifle negative discussions, it's hypocritical censorship. <laughs> like, it, it, uh, let's, so let, let's let's scroll down on this, gentlemen. One. I'll have I, you know that rape victim made a very poor video game. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cyber Cooper twenty seventy seven says, "I don't agree with the harassment, but but." <laughs> But maybe they should stop releasing unfinished and broken games. A- Adventurous Host 426 says, 
2023 is the year of valid game criticisms were labeled as harassment by the publisher. And then, uh, let's see. There was another one in here that I thought was very funny. LMAO, they just need to shut up and do their jobs. You rarely see this much whining in any other industry. Really? um, (laughs) You really don't. You don't, huh? Speaking of the writers, the writer strike is going on right now, by the way. So solidarity all the way. Oh, yeah. It's just so funny how, like, people are like, oh, so you got death threats. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> don't just do that. Yeah. People, people who would be happy to have any attention at all, not understanding why people might not like negative attention received at like a massive scale. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we got uh, we're, we're a good chunk into this right now. Uh, we are leaving you at uh, a cliffhanger ending because yep. what we've got for you is that uh a good Samaritan, honestly, a Christ among men, has lent his toy car to uh, a whole bunch of nerds, and something happened where the car got damaged. Is it the nerd's fault, or is it the guy who damaged his car, almost certainly? Is it his fault? Find out next week on Nerd Hour with two nerds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that could have ended better, but here yeah. we are. So one, one thing before we go into the, the sign-out, I wanted to say, um, also, at the end of our episodes, I want to kind of do a little bit about the, the premium. So our, our bonus episode this week is, gonna, like I mentioned, we're going to be reading those some posts from 20 years ago when they first revealed that the new Zelda game was going to have cartoony graphics. So that was a very yes. good lead into that. So I'm just going to give you a teaser. I saw someone call someone a Tendo bitch. I've never heard that combination <laughs> of words. There's so much, so much, it's, it's like... It's like going into a cave and finding all these cave creatures with, like, eyes that don't work blindly. Flying just all this internet slang that never escaped this containment from 20 years ago. It's, it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that very specifically because people just lost their fucking minds uh, when, when it came to just, like, a game producing cartoony graphics. That being said, um, I fucking love... Uh, Civ five because it was like, you know, somewhat realistic and like kind of these awe inspiring portraits of great leaders from time that were like from every part of the world, you know? And so like, you know, the, they have the head, the, the Mayan guy with this big, huge headdress and he's standing uh, before like this enormous uh, like uh, temple. And there's just so much cool stuff going on for, uh, for like the depiction of historical people uh, for Civ Five, and then Civ Six comes out, and they're all like kind of grotesque caricatures of like hyper exaggerated features, and it's just like how did, how did you let this happen? You had it so well, it was so thoughtful and mature, and then they just made them all look like Pixar characters with that are like you know Attila the Hun was like ontologically evil, and so we give him like what is essentially like demon horns, but uh, you know, uh, Joan of Arc, who is like this perfect, amazing person. And I don't think they have Joan of Arc in it, but you know what I mean? And like, they just depict it's super Eurocentric to like an insane degree. Wow. Um, yeah. So I think four is the last civilization I played. So I'm, I'm really enjoying getting these updates on it. Oh dude. Civ five is one of like the best strategy games of all time. It's funny it's how insane. every time a Civ game comes out, the new one comes out, everyone says it's terrible. Then it gets a bunch of updates. The new one comes out and everyone says the new one's terrible, but the last one's the best one ever after they updated it. So now I, now right, I, yeah. well, 
it's it's just funny because like I'm playing with some I'm playing with like all of the expansion packs. I mean, this game came out like ten years ago. Yeah, and like it, I just I don't think about it. But then if you look at like how much content was added for these expansion packs, I'm just like, oh, the yeah, the original game when it would come out, like if it was missing what was included in these expansions, yeah, it would be like a very hollow game. But yeah, who cares? Anyways, yeah. uh, Telltale uh, doesn't exist anymore, but we're going to get you the rest of the story next week. As always, you can find us uh, on IFTPod on Twitter, IFTPod at Gmail. If you uh, find me on Twitter, I am uh, at Winsley Domain. Um, few things. Uh, give me a follow. I'm fun. I am also uh, still making a card game, and I would. I'm making huge strides on it. I've done a ton of writing recently for it. Um, if you live in Chicago and want to play, please let me know. I'd love to play. And uh, if you DM me on Twitter, I will show you a random thing in my apartment. I live in a small Kiryu museum, and I can show you whatever you want. And uh, if you follow me on uh, Instagram, I'm at calculations. I'll be posting updates about a billion things there, too. And Jay, where can they find you? Oh, I'm at Jay Branstetter on Twitter. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I just put a short video on my YouTube channel. I became an official. I'm officially certified by Purdue University as a rat tickler. So I made a little video about that. <laughs> it's free. You can become a certified rat tickler, too. And as an experienced rat owner, it's actually like pretty good advice on how to handle rats for lab workers. So, hey, you can put that on your resume. You can be Become an official certified rat tickler, and I'll show you how to do it. You even get a certificate you can print out at the end. A lot of comedy is, like, preparing for, like, pre- predictable situations. Like, if somebody says uh, joke X, you can zing them with joke Y. But I got nothing in the holster. I went into the to the, the storage closet of my mind, Mark, rat tickler <laughs> degree from Purdue. And there, it, it's just an empty room. No, it makes you feel very good. I'm glad that I'm enough of a wild card that I can, even you, I can get you off guard sometimes. Yeah, I had a joke a million years about go about being a, a professional pig tickler, but this is, <laughs> I, I, I got nothing on this. So yeah, keep tickling those rats. And uh, for everybody else, thanks for listening. Check us out on Patreon. We're going to have bonus episodes talking about nerds losing their mind over something that they would later claim to love. Um, which is the story of uh, basically all of nerd nerddom. Yep. You guys are addicted to nostalgia. You just like being young, and you are always going to be older than you were. Please go outside. Anyways, thank you for listening. Yeah, that said, keep consuming this nostalgia podcast. We love consume, it. Consume, <laughs> consume, consume, consume. From the Internet is created by Jay Brandstetter and Winslow Domain. Edited by Steve Brown. Music by Steve Isbroke.
Hold on, hold on. Let me let me say that again so I don't sound like I'm drunk. <laughs>